you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Andrew Paul. And joining me today is one of our intrepid summer interns, Graham Loomer. Hi, everyone. So, Graham, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, there's not much, too much to tell. Um, I'm stuck in a global pandemic right now. And yeah, I just finished my schooling. Beyond that, I like to get out and cycle. That's, that's about it for the moment, at least. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what school program are you taking? I'm from the uh, McEwen uh, School of Business's PR program, actually. It's public relations. Excellent. And uh, you've picked a pretty good time to get some uh, real-world experience uh, during this COVID-19 thing here at ECF. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on for us? Oh, sure thing. Uh, lots of what I'm working on at the moment is actually uh, some stories for, for the Rapid Response Fund, uh, which is the fund that ECF set up you know, as a response to COVID uh, in order to uh, re respond rapidly <laughs> um, you know, to uh, charities' needs during the, during the pandemic. So yeah, right now I've been working on stories uh, for that. And uh, so far, it's been great. It's my yeah, second week right here, so it's been a really good start. Yes, we sort of thrown you into the fire right away here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if anyone would like to check out some of Graham's stories, you can find them at ecfoundation.org. Uh, I particularly liked uh, the one that you wrote about the John Humphrey Center's uh, Community Cuisine Program, which is delivering something like 900 meals a week to uh, some of Edmonton's most vulnerable populations. So feel free to check that out, folks. Well, we're very glad you can join us, Graham. So let's get started. Sure thing. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation. And we're a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who have created endowment funds at ECF. And these funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community. Because it's good to be well endowed. So for the last few episodes, we've been bringing you some COVID-19 stories. But this week, we're going to take a little break from that. So just a quick listener advisory. In this episode, there is going to be some frank discussions about sex and sexual health, particularly among seniors in Alberta. Oh, I've joined in for a really good one. Oh, you sure have, Graham. Edmonton Community Foundation is proud to support organizations that help maintain and enhance the quality of life for seniors in our communities. This includes organizations like the Seniors Association of Greater Edmonton or SAGE. SAGE acts like a one-stop hub to connect seniors with resources, programs, peers, and more. So, they are invested in helping with all aspects of life, even the taboo ones. Like this not-so-hot fact. Alberta holds a dubious distinction as one of this country's STI hotspots. For years, health experts have been concerned by the skyrocketing rates of sexually transmitted infections in the province. It's a trend that doctors are seeing all across Canada, but Alberta consistently ranks among the highest rates in the country for chlamydia, syphilis, and other diseases. And yes, part of that may be because of our young population. The vast majority of reported STI patients are between 15 to 30 years old, but that doesn't mean older people are immune. In fact, while they may have lower numbers overall, STI rates among people over 60 have been climbing at a dizzying speed over the last 20 years. So we were curious. Why are older people reporting more sexually transmitted diseases? And is there something that could be done to slow the growth? Our correspondent, Scott Lilwall, talked to a few health experts to find out the reasons behind the trend. Generally, as a society, we're not very good at talking about sexual health, especially when it comes to diseases. It can be awkward, it can be embarrassing, and sometimes it can be a little bit gross. 
But we see what happens when we don't take the subject seriously. Last year, the province even had to declare a syphilis outbreak, with rates not seen since 1948. Now, seniors aren't the age group most affected by STIs, but in Alberta, they're the group that's seeing the fastest increase. According to federal figures, in 1997, people over 60 had about 1.4 cases of chlamydia per 100,000 people. By 2017, that rate was five and a half times higher. And there have been similar increases in rates of gonorrhea, hepatitis B, and syphilis. And if we're bad about talking about sexual health, we're even worse when it comes to talking about seniors having sex. Most of the time, we pretend it doesn't happen. And when we do, it's usually passed off as a joke. Okay, everyone. Great news. Lots of old people have chlamydia. Woo! Seniors in Pawnee have a lot of time on their hands, and what they're doing with that time is going at it hard, old people style. Thinking about seniors as asexual beings, or, um, uh, or yeah, th finding it cute or funny um, is completely dishonoring to seniors as, as age, aging individuals who continue to be psychological, social, mental, physical, sexual beings. Uh, it's all part of the same package. And if we don't, if we don't approach seniors in that way, then we, we're invalidating that piece of them and we're putting them at risk because we're not even considering it. Uh, as part of our public health strategy. Um, my name is Anne Summick. I'm a nurse practitioner, and I work currently at Sage Seniors Association running a seniors clinic. Anne says the sexual well-being of her patients is just as important as other aspects of their health. The rising rates of STIs among seniors likely has a lot of causes. Some are purely medical. As we age, infections become easier to get and often are harder to identify. The changes in people's bodies as they age um, our tissue isn't as resilient either. So we have um, women who are more likely to have some sort of open um, skin or uh, cracks or changes that could make it more likely for them to pass on or um, contract some kind of infection. Sometimes I think it's more difficult to treat just because they do have reduced immunity and also because seniors don't often exhibit the same symptoms. Because their immunity is low, they, they won't show those same I'm fighting something off symptoms that a younger person would. So they might not realize that, that they have an STI and not even think to ask to be tested. And we might not think to ask. So we're, we're looking um, and making an assumption that it's not something related to some sort of sexual contact. Uh, and if we tested, then we would find more incidences of infection. And what kind of symptoms when you say this fighting something off symptoms, what would you see there? Well, you know, people who complain of burning or some kind of discomfort. Um, it's the same with a senior who has an, a urinary infection. They might actually not feel the burning or discomfort. They just become confused or not themselves. And we have to look for the problem in order to understand why they've become confused and not themselves. And so in this case, maybe they don't become confused and not themselves, but they don't have those same symptoms of maybe not as much discharge, or if they have discharge, they don't think of it as being a sexual discharge, um, or uh, they don't have that pain or discomfort that a younger person might have because their body's attack mechanisms are more strong. Uh, and uh, maybe people assume that seniors don't have to know or that they're not intimate 
people or not sexually active. And that's not true. The more I spend time with seniors, the more I'm open and asking, the more they'll tell me what's happening in their lives. That belief that seniors aren't sexually active is one that Melanie Anderson has run into frequently. She's the education coordinator at the Alberta Society for the Promotion of Sexual Health and an older woman herself. She's seen the lack of interest in senior sexuality both professionally and personally. Melanie has tried to tackle the issue by setting up workshops for health professionals, but it hasn't always worked out. Every single time I've had to counsel it because of lack of interest from people that are working with seniors. I think it's that they don't recognize seniors as being sexual beings. It's come, it's not, there's no comfort there talking to the seniors in their lives about sexuality. I know even in my case, my own personal case, my children, you know, they've been involved in, or they've been around the table talking about sexual health forever, but they don't want to hear that I'm sexually active. So there's a, there's a taboo stigma around that topic with seniors. And the desire for, for sexual, a sexual relationship doesn't diminish as you get older. Um, there, the opportunity might not be there as much um, if you're single and older, because, but I don't think the, the desire um, is decreased much. I think there's still a great desire for, sexual, uh, for a healthy sexual relationship. Lots of people are sexual beings right into their very actively sexual right into their 80s. So it's not something that stops when you're 35 or 40. Medical reasons aside, Melanie thinks the main issue is one of education. But for many older people, that kind of thing just wasn't talked about when they were entering adulthood. Melanie said discussing sex was taboo. And when it did happen, the threat of disease wasn't really part of the conversation. For one thing, seniors are not probably asking for that information because we didn't have access to sexual health education while we were growing up um, and birth control only came became legal in 1969 when I got my very my first year of marriage um, so it's not something that's ever been comfortable for older people to talk about when I was growing up STIs were not even a factor we didn't even think about STIs all we thought about was pregnancy prevention so when um, Pregnant, or when birth control was legalized in 69, the whole thing about it was preventing pregnancy. Didn't think about the use of condoms to prevent STIs. It was just everyone was prescribed birth control pills. And uh, so that's, you know, the mindset we grew up with. And, and I think since that time, a lot of people uh, my age are in a second or third marriage or are single for a long time and that's just STIs just was never a factor and it just was never discussed certainly using condoms was never discussed I mean that was a totally taboo topic I was married twice and the first time I got I was divorced I was in my early 40s and at that time I'd been working in sexual health for a while and I was thinking at that time if I wasn't working in sexual health would I even know that HIV was a threat would I even know about STIs it's not just us as seniors but also the health professionals I think are you know all the time that I've gone to a family doctor I've never once been asked if I'm sexually active as a senior. Melanie's experience is not a rare one. When Anne meets with a new elderly patient, questions about their sex life are part of that discussion. She asks things like who the patient lives with, 
if they're sexually active, and if they have any concerns about sex. That's not an approach that all medical professionals take. And for many seniors, they grew up thinking only about the dangers of pregnancy. So when that's no longer an issue, they might not be practicing safe sex. Anne relates the story of one patient who came to her clinic shortly before going on a trip. Uh, when I, the gentleman who was heading to, to Mexico for a trip asked if I would prescribe him Viagra. And I said, sure. Are you going down with someone that you're going to use the Viagra with? Um, so no, I'm, I'm hoping I can find a girlfriend down in Mexico while I'm there. Well, if I'm going to prescribe you Viagra, I need you to tell me that you're also going to use condoms because there's no way of knowing what that individual's sexual history is. Um, and that person was totally flummoxed and taken aback and hadn't thought of it and um, just never thought that they were at risk, never realized that they should be taking any precautions. And I think it's allowing the opportunity to talk. It's asking people. It's sitting down with uh, an older lady who has a crush on a gentleman in her senior's apartment building and talking with them about whether she would want to have sex with that person and um, hearing their answer. And everyone's different. Uh, one person said, uh, yes, I'd be really interested, but I, I don't want to have sex outside of marriage. So they're really still focused on that. Um, whereas others, uh, they just want, they just are enjoying the person and they're, that's part of their relationship, even if it's not uh, your traditional intercourse um, relationship, it's still a sexual relationship in some way, and there are still risks we need to consider. So having asking the questions, having the conversation, I think is the first step, and you need to create an environment where that's okay. And a lot of people just feel nervous creating that environment. Melanie thinks there needs to be more emphasis on sexual health for older people, and a lot of that, she argues, rests on the shoulders of medical professionals. As a result of growing up in a time when sex wasn't talked about, a lot of older people simply aren't comfortable bringing it up, even to their doctors. And again, when you go to your doctor, it's hard for seniors, I think, to talk about something that personal because we've never grown up with that. Oh, younger people are way more open. They've had access to that information. They're probably a lot more comfortable than we are. But um, most of us just don't have that comfort level to talk or to go to your doctor and ask, or certainly not to go to a walk-in clinic or to even go to the SDI clinic. And, um, and the family planning clinic is for teens. Like, so where do you go? I also think we really need to educate doctors because they need to gain some comfort. But, you know, a lot of doctors don't even have comfort talking to younger people about sexuality. So how do we get them past the point? Uh, you know, gaining that comfort so that they can talk about sexuality with young people and older people, recognizing older people are sexually active. Anne says that kind of understanding is something a lot of health professionals strive for, but it isn't easy. It takes time to build up that kind of trust. And that's not always possible in a healthcare system where you're bouncing from patient to patient, spending only a few minutes at a time with each one. Changes to funding models or a lack of funding models. In our case, as a nurse practitioner-led clinic, it's a, a lack of an established funding model, which is causing our clinic to close. Uh, but in other clinics, it's um, a change in funding models for physicians that make it more difficult for them to 
spend the time with seniors to have these conversations. Uh, I think what I've learned in dealing with seniors exclusively here at SAGE is they need time to, to have a complete conversation and um, a reduction in standard visit times to 10 minutes just doesn't cut it for an older adult. And uh, I don't know how the government can, can change their approach to allow for a more comprehensive um, seniors strategy. But I think we do need a strategy that's more comprehensive and allows for that kind of integrated and comprehensive holistic approach because um, otherwise you will never have these conversations. There's just not time to have this kind of conversation. Um, and I know that, that a lot of providers in the system are feeling very pinched, um, especially just in primary care, the people who do the frontline work. Um, and so that means that when our clinic is having to close, that I, if I have 500 seniors, I'm trying to find a medical home for, um, a lot of providers won't take them because it's too much work and they can't provide the care that's required. And then that leaves seniors without care. So there needs to be a change in the strategy for health for seniors in the problem in the pro province. Um, I'm not sure the best way to move forward with that. Uh, it would require, I think, um, some collaboration between ministries. Um, and I'm not sure the government's there yet. If you have any sudden decrease in vision, stop taking Cialis and call your doctor right away. Why ask your doctor about Cialis? Because when the moment is right, you can be ready with Cialis. To go a little bit past the Cialis commercials, right? Where you have two people in tubs on a hill looking out over a setting sun. Yeah, that's sure, but that's not a realistic picture of what intimacy looks like for anyone, let alone seniors. And let's be a little more honest. Thanks very much to Scott Lilwall for bringing us that story. And thanks to Anne Sumek nurse practitioner at SAGE Seniors Association, and Melanie Anderson, education coordinator at Alberta Society for the Promotion of Sexual Health, for sharing their time. We'll be sure to have links to both organizations in our show notes. Absolutely. And you can check out our show notes to connect with the latest updates about ECF's Rapid Response Fund. We've granted to several more organizations since our last episode. And because we're all about giving out that cash, you'll also find links to our upcoming student award and granting deadlines. ECF is continuing to grant from our regular granting streams, so don't miss out on these funding opportunities. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to share with your friends. Write about it on your best stationery, attach it to a balloon, and release it into the sky. But what about the environment, Graham? I guess that's a good point, Andrew. You could also just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find us. And you can visit us on Facebook, where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Graham Loomer and Andrew Paul. Until next Until time. Until next time. <laughs> hey, That's pretty good. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.